0: I want to speak to you this morning um, really from a place that I feel like I've been on in the last um, really year, 18 months. I really feel like the thing that um, has been marking some of my own personal journey with Jesus is really a a bit of a sharp intervention I had um, 18 months ago with God as I was wrestling with the fact that I felt like I'd approached Scripture, maybe for my whole entire life, looking for a principle or a truth on which I could attach my life to, which would be part of just being responsible and being a Christian. That I would, I would search the Scripture, I would, I would read His Word and allow it to, to illuminate truth and allow it to guide me by principle so that I could live what a life that, of what it looks like to be a Christian to to follow Jesus and then a year 18 months ago I began to start to wrestle with God because he started to challenge me that that framing of how I would look at scripture and how I would allow it to uh, influence my life was really devoid of the person of Jesus That I was far more interested in finding an external truth or an external principle that I could attach my life to as opposed to finding a person on which I could anchor myself to and through which I could begin to find life and truth and begin to live the normal Christian life. And so... uh, I've been on this journey personally of diving back into the Word of God and, and, and allowing and actually seeking out things which, which were at one point very familiar to me and allowing them to speak to me through this kind of fresh discipleship lens, allowing kind of old familiar stories or the narrative of Scripture to come to life in a new way whereby I was, I, I'm allowing it to speak to my apprentice journey this discipleship journey. I, I wanted to bring one of those um, passages of Scripture that, that jumped out to me most in this last 18 months. So if you've got your Bibles, we're going to be in Luke chapter 10. It will be a familiar story to maybe many of you, but we're going to dive in anyhow and let Holy Spirit squeeze some new things out for us. Um, I want to talk to you this morning about discipleship, and I want to frame that with a lot of Ds. Didn't work very hard at this, it just came I want to look at distraction, devotion, demanding, decisions, doing, and dependence. Scribble all those down if you're making notes this morning. But discipleship, genuine following of Jesus, allows us to let the the story and narrative of Scripture be revolved around the beautiful person of Jesus... And, and then allowing that narrative to be an invitation for me to step into his story and his life so that I can be an apprentice of Jesus. And this, this particular moment um, in scripture, which we're going to look at in Luke 10, is hugely helpful as it speaks to our hearts and our lives and how we can be postured in that and allow it to, 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 to order and dictate and determine what our lives might look like as it is in close proximity to the life and breath of Jesus. And ultimately, it's a a familiar story of Mary and Martha. And in many senses, you've probably heard this story a bunch of times, preached on in a million different ways. And, And obviously, there's the hallmark reality of how do we live lives that aren't distracted. But there's so much more for us to wring out of this passage, and that's what I hope to do. And it's amazing to think that actually an ancient story as it it is um, with a very different cultural context could speak right into our cultural moment where actually busyness, distraction, frustration, a demanding life, a busy life, a highly distracting world, that that this story could could speak into our cultural moment, to, to speak into our lives in a profound way. Because the reality is that that when we're distracted, we end up doing the wrong thing, we end up in the wrong place, and oftentimes we can look at our lives and, and through that process of landing somewhere because we were distracted, ultimately we're not loving the outcome. It's either in the wrong place or end up doing the wrong thing. It was funny this week, uh, a story popped up um, from Manchester. You might have seen it, on, it made national news because it's hilarious. But this was the tweet that Hawksmoor, which is a restaurant in Manchester, put out this week. Uh, to the customer who accidentally got given a bottle of that wine, which is 4,500 pounds on our menu last night, hope you enjoyed your evening. To the member of staff who accidentally gave it away, uh, chin up, one off mistakes happen. We love you anyway. So interestingly, in this restaurant, steak restaurant in Manchester, a customer had ordered a 260, like let's not feel too like (laughs) this customer had ordered a a bottle of wine that was 260 pounds. So they were prepared to go that way. Anyway, ended up with a four and a half grand bottle of wine instead by mistake. Have you ever been to that restaurant, which I have? it's a pretty noisy place it's a pretty distracting place it's no wonder i mean i wish i had tried been there i wish that was the mistake that happened to me but anyway the reality is is that like we make mistakes we find ourselves in places doing things just because life is busy full on distracting and 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 we end up in a situation like this waitress found herself in i think it's interesting for us to to note that that I think for many of us, there's there's not even the breathing room of margin in our life, often to just to hit pause, to even reflect. Like for for many of us, the pace of life is so continuous and so bombarding that actually there's not much breathing room to even reflect. Oh, is that what I want, or I'm wanting out of life? Is is that what I actually want? And so maybe this morning is a is a moment when we can. Breathe in with Holy Spirit. Maybe for many of you, you've just been breathing out. (laughs) And you know what happens when you just breathe out, you die. So maybe this is just a grace moment for us to let the Scriptures speak to our lives. The Holy Spirit would would give us a a margin moment to step away, A, a moment where we can reflect and respond to what is going on in my life. Where am I angered to? What is the distraction? What is the busyness? What is the overwhelming nature of my life doing to me and to my future? So actually, let's pray to the end. Holy Spirit, we just invite you this morning. Come speak to us. Come and illuminate through the life of these verses such that we can come to life with you. we just choose to step away from the busyness the things that are all at the forefront of our mind this morning, we choose to step away for a moment and to review and to reflect with you, Holy Spirit. And I pray that God, uh, through these verses, you would not just illuminate an external truth of the way our life could look, but you would connect us again to the life of Jesus, that we would step into a relationship that would form and forge what our life would look like, that there truly would be a breathing in and a breathing out, there would be a coming and a going. So help us, Holy Spirit, this morning, in Jesus' name. All right, Luke 10. Just the context, um, Mary and Martha, uh, they are two sisters. They have a brother called Lazarus. They show up about three times in Scripture. They are the friends of Jesus. Uh, And interestingly, we we get this window into their lives, and and Jesus is in this moment where where Jesus finds himself in, in their house, begins to start to teach something that could profoundly impact the way we do life. So let's read these verses together. Luke 10, verse 38. As Jesus and his disciples were on their way, he came to a village where a woman named Martha opened her home to him. She had a sister called Mary who sat at the Lord's feet listening to what he said. So, as I've said, this, these verses actually get to frame some of our own discipleship journey. There's a, a learning moment that we can glean from the way Jesus interacts with these two sisters in this moment. There's so much to take from him. Ultimately, we know that this is a, a discipleship moment. And, it, and what helps us frame that is that even just in verse 39, it talks about um, it talks about Mary. And Mary who sat at the Lord's feet listening to what he said. Listen, we have to pay attention to, to, to those two things. Mary sat at Jesus' feet, and she listened. That was the hallmark of, of an apprentice relationship, a discipleship relationship. An apprentice uh, in, any, in any sphere of, of life was somebody who positioned themselves to learn from somebody else, a master of something. And You could be an apprentice of all sorts of things, of business, of, um, of accounting, of of jewelry making, of uh, philosophy, there were, there were multiple ways that, uh, that in these particular times that you learned and grew in what it is that you wanted to do or what you'd excelled in. And, and part of that was you, you apprenticed yourself, you became a disciple of somebody. And the hallmarks of an apprenticeship were those two things that Mary found, that you would be with and you would be like. And ultimately, we know that this is a discipleship moment because Mary had postured herself in that moment. She was was with Jesus. And interestingly, that that would be what you would do. You would literally go and sit at the feet of your your master, the one that you were apprenticing under, and you would learn from them. That was was the, 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 um, the infrastructure of the way that you grew and you learned and you developed as an apprentice, as a disciple, is that you had proximity enough so that you could hear and you could listen and you could learn. But the hallmarks of that apprenticeship, which Mary kind of displays to us here, is is that she sat at his feet. There was proximity. There was an intimacy. There was a being with. And that she listened to what he said. There was a learning. There was a focused um, posturing in order that she would become like. So Mary helps us right here, right at the very start of this story, understand the simplicity of what it is to be a disciple. It boils itself down to two things. Be with and be like. And that has to actually be held in front of us as we journey with Jesus, that we would be with him and that ultimately we would be like him. But obviously the the classic teaching moment comes more so in the in the life of, of Martha and her response to what's happening around her, and that is this context of distraction. Interestingly what jumped out to me that in this story is that actually there's, there's two forms of distraction that are going on, if you look at verse 38, verse 38 says, as Jesus and his disciples were on their way, alright so point is just note. Uh, where Jesus found himself with Mary and Martha was not his final destination It, it was actually a detour a deviation a distraction away from where he was going and then obviously the the hallmark learning from these verses is verse 40 but Martha was distracted by all the preparations that had to be made now the root of that word distraction there means to be to be pulled away so it's not, a, it's not a distraction even necessarily just in, 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 in her mind and her thinking, it was actually that that seed of distraction that probably hit her mind initially, which was there are things I need to do, I need to host, I, I need to get some food, there's going to be people arriving. Her, the pressure point of the thinking caused her to pull away physically such that she was distracted. So it wasn't just she was distracted in terms of like she couldn't quite wrap her head around what was happening. She knew exactly what was happening. But this level of distraction pulled her from just a thought in her mind to actually the proximity of her life and positioned her in that place of I'm now actually concerned and worried and getting busy around things that really I don't need to be distracted by. So it's important to acknowledge that in these two distractions that it's important to acknowledge that Jesus was able to detour and still be in the right place, right? That's what happened. Jesus was able to detour from where he was going and yet he was still in the right place. And yet Martha, ironically, is in the right place, but she's distracted. Like it's a subtle difference, but we have to realize that actually that that we can find detours. I, I think that the lesson of this discipleship learning in this space is not about having blinkered thinking and never being open to, to finding yourself, you know, heading left when actually you thought you were supposed to be heading right. It's not so much about being so rigid that you can't do anything outside of what's in front of you, but it's actually recognizing that there is a, there is a purpose that can drive our direction, not just a pressure You know detours as a result of being led by purpose which is what Jesus found himself in is fine but distraction as a result of pressure wasn't and it's interesting just to to pull those two things apart if you think about it what Martha was experiencing was pressure and as a result she was distracted what Jesus encountered was living congruently to his purpose, which allowed him to detour. Pressure is this external thing that speaks to us in such a way that it it motivates us to do something. That's what pressure does. We're in a circumstance, a situation, and it's pressurizing us to do something different. Purpose, on the other hand, is an internal motivation that becomes a guiding rudder as we move through life, which allows us to to take a detour. It allows us to maybe uh, hold things lightly and realize that, oh, you know, I thought I was going here, but actually my purpose, what I'm designed for, and who I'm designed to do that with, that might take me over here. And it's a subtle difference. Pressure is this externally motivated thing. Gosh, we're surrounded by pressure in family, financially, in our workplaces, uh, societally, like there's constant external pressure that's coming our way. And I think it causes us to get distracted. But if we could be people that in our journey and relationship and apprentice to Jesus could understand what our purpose is, then we can hold things very lightly and move in all sorts of different directions and know that that hasn't been a distraction. Because I'm living from purpose, I'm not living from pressure. And then moving back into Mary. Mary, again, in her, in her posturing of sitting with Jesus and hearing his voice, it speaks to me of devotion. It's this sense that Mary, verse 39, who sat at the Lord's feet listening to what he said, Mary had found this position of intimacy from which she was able to hear his voice. Those two things are really important. Her heart and her life and even her physical body was postured at a position of, of devotion and intimacy, so much so that she could hear his voice. I think we have to be really careful in this journey of wanting to be more like Jesus, that we don't mistake Christian busyness with intimacy. Like Christian activity or, 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 or Christian behavior with intimacy. It's a, it's, a, it's a poor counterfeit for the real thing. The real thing is, is that I live my life positioned and connected in intimacy with Jesus, not just what I think I need to do. And that's where I found myself 18 months ago. I'm like, I have a bunch of truth and a bunch of principles that I'm desperately trying to achieve. And Jesus said, No, I. I never planned for any of that to be your target. Your target was always me. That stuff will come as a result. You'll live your life according to the rhythm of my life when you get connected to me. And this is what Mary found. This is what she found. This is what she discovered. And it was that position of devotion. So don't mistake filling your life with things that are about Jesus. And forget that our journey is about becoming disciples to be with Jesus. Like if we're building our life around a busy attitude of how do I get more busy doing the things of Jesus, we've missed out on the fact the invitation was always to a person, not a program. You know, and discipleship, interestingly, this is the thing that Mary discovered in this moment at Jesus' feet, that discipleship was not just a cerebral exercise of learning principles. But it was about posturing one's life in connection to someone through which you could begin to learn and grow and become more like them this is what being a disciple really is about and for some of us that that level of devotion has to begin to be be, um, influenced by intimacy I think for some of us devotion looks more like disciplined behavior and again, it's just a counterfeit. Devotion is, is guided by and fueled by intimacy. Purely discipline is, is is fueled by duty and obligation. And yet our discipleship journey has to be fueled by intimacy. And it's that rhythm where we find a new level of devotion. And this is the posture that Mary discovered. She discovered devotion. Maybe the gauge of where we're at in our devotion journey would be to consider, can I actually hear his voice? That's the thing that jumped out to me recently is that it wasn't just good enough for for Mary just to posture her life to be sat at Jesus' feet. She had to hear his voice. And that actually devotion is far more about a journey of interconnection of hearing Jesus' voice and responding as it is to simply knowing things about Jesus. You know, Mary and Martha, ultimately, at some level, both had proximity to Jesus, but one had intimate proximity, and the other one was just in the house. How many of us are are living a life where we think we are walking with Jesus when we're kind of just, actually, we're just in his house? Like, how many of us have just settled for, I'm in the house? I said the prayer, I'm in the house, I got through the front door, I know where I'm going for eternity. How how many of us settled for, we're just in the house, getting on with some busy activity? When actually the invitation was always the level of proximity where we could hear his voice. Like that would be the goal. Not that we'd be in a house, but that we'd be by his feet, that we would hear his voice. One of the reflections just from this passage as well is that Mary Uh, Sorry, Martha hits this moment where she's become acutely aware of the disappointing outcome of what she's doing. Verse uh, 40 says this, She came to him and said, Lord, don't you care that my sister has left me to do the work by myself? Tell her to help me. So Martha's hit this wall, and a reaction uh, is a great indicator of what's going on, both externally and internally. You know, how many of us get in situations in life where we where we begin to just, our dialogue with God is more framed by demanding him move on our behalf. <laughs> like we're just disappointed or not satisfied or there's a sense of like, I, I, I'm not loving the outcome of, the, of what's happening in my life. And so we begin to have this sort of wrestle with God, like demanding that it be different. That's where Martha found herself. And ultimately it comes back to this honest reflection that Martha just hadn't taken the time to be with Jesus first and so her dissatisfaction with the outcome of her choices didn't, didn't give her the opportunity just to demand a different outcome, get Mary to help out. It demanded her to rethink how she got there in the first place. So maybe that's you. Maybe you're sitting here and you're like, oh no, that that rings a bell. I feel like actually most of my conversations with God are are a level of dissatisfaction about where I am, the outcome of life. I want something different. God, move on my behalf and do something different. Maybe that is what's framing some of the the interactions you're having with God at the moment. I encourage you. The solution to that is not necessarily for God to change the outcome but maybe for you to begin to revisit the process which leads us to think about decisions because every every process that we step into in our discipleship journey is framed by the decisions that we make and this is the beauty of Jesus when he says in verse 41 Martha Martha the Lord answered you are worried and upset about many things You know, anytime you see um, a name repeated twice, it's not out of sort of irritation or anger. It's actually Jesus leaning in with compassion. Martha, Martha. He's acutely aware of her her worry and her upset. He can see it probably visibly on her face and in the sharpness of her voice. And Jesus was able to see that Martha was not loving the outcome of her decision. He observed the worry. He recognized the upset. And how many of us actually find ourselves in that space, looking at what's going on around us, looking at, at, at the outcomes of our life and finding ourselves worried and upset? But could it be that we find ourselves in that space, in, in a place of observation around, around the, the outcomes of the decisions we make or have made, and maybe even giving ourselves the permission to say, Oh gosh, what's happened here is I've landed in a place based on a decision I made that was devoid of a journey of asking Jesus what he wanted for my future. I'm really uh, um, challenged by this because I think for, for me there's plenty of things which in the busyness of life I will throw up a prayer and hope that God answers my prayer and moves on my behalf. There are very few occasions when I when I know that I, I take a step back where I lean into what could be the very beautiful space of decision making which is that I am sat at Jesus' feet then I hear his voice and I make decisions according to what he says. Like some of the, the cultural narrative of our life and the busyness we've almost evolved that sort of decision making process through to I'm kind of on my way over here Jesus come bless what I'm doing. That's kind of how we framed the decision making process. It's like, Jesus, I'm kind of on this trajectory already. I'm kind of, this is kind of what I want to do anyway. This is kind of where I'm heading anyway. I hope that's okay. Jesus, come and bless what I'm doing. And again, what Mary had discovered in her decision to sit at his feet, to hear his voice, was that that was the okay place to be. And Martha had just bypassed that process. She hadn't considered, Jesus, what do you need me to do right now? Where is it that I need to be? What is it that I need to learn from you as I hear your voice? You know, her decisions, and what we see in terms of her activity was based on an assumption. It was not a decision born out of relationship with Jesus where she'd taken time to inquire of him. I wonder whether... Actually, she was always in, she always needed to go be making a sandwich, but I wonder whether actually the the first step was, Jesus, what sandwich do you want? And in that moment, Jesus had the opportunity to frame what her future would look like, either to say, no, 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 I don't need that, come sit with me, or that'd be really nice, I'll take a turkey salad. I feel like one of the pitfalls of this, this story that we, I think, in our simplicity potentially fall into is, is, um, is that we think that in some way that this story is about Mary being good and Martha being bad. Like I do think this story does f- need to help us frame what the doing part of our life looks like, that it's not about inactivity, but it's more about order. What do I mean by this? Jesus, in verse 42, says this. He, she says, Mary has chosen what is better. The correction, discipline moment wasn't, Martha, what you're doing is necessary. The activity of what you're doing is, is wrong. Like, you're doing the wrong thing. You sh- no one should ever be in a kitchen. Like, this is not... Like this is not- a, this is not a blueprint for life where all Christians now should not make sandwiches or be in kitchens like that's not what we're finding it that doing stuff is not bad and I think it's too simple to simply go Mary good Martha bad no activity good activity bad what I think we can learn from this story is that intimacy which is good leads to action which is good right and often we just get if we would just simply take this story at face value we, we would you know for some of us it'd be a handy way to say well I'm just going to sit in my house and soak with Jesus forever until he comes again when actually that's not, that's not what's being set up for us here There's an order, there's a prioritizing, there's a sense of rhythm that Jesus is inviting us to learn from, which is about how we posture our heart and our life with him first, so that the activity our life that flows from that can be congruent with him and what we've heard from him. That's what we've got to learn. You know, and in the midst of that, we have to figure out that there's a a dependency that we have to learn, that, that we find dependency in this journey between intimacy Placing that as a priority and as a first, and then action. There's a dependency of my place and posture with Jesus and the things that I go and live and um, do for Him. There's a dependency. And we have to figure out um, where we've maybe got that thing wrong. Because, quite honestly, I think we can spend a lot of our time thinking we're doing things for Jesus or. Uh, we're doing things that are, look like the normal Christian life, but they're devoid of the person of Jesus, and therefore they're just fueled by a sense of duty and obligation, and maybe even comparison. Well, that's what everyone else is doing, so I'll just do that. Listen, the, the heartbeat of the discipleship journey is, the, is it revolves and, it, and is built from that place of a person and relationship with him and dependence on him, which leads me to my final D, dependence Listen, if dependence is the goal, then weakness is our advantage. Let me say that again. If dependence is the goal, then weakness is an advantage. And this is what Mary found. In her moment of stopping, in her moment of waiting, in her moment of posturing herself in a place of weakness at Jesus' feet to hear his voice, she found dependence on him. Connection and relationship and intimacy with him. We don't know because the story doesn't tell us what happened beyond this interaction, but the learning that we can grapple with, the thing that we can allow it to speak to our own journeys, can be profound. It's this place of dependence that we find in relationship with Jesus. It's this posture of devotion it's that place that, that in that intimacy and relationship with Jesus that ultimately we can make decisions from. That's where decisions are made. Where the doing part of our life, the, the, where the rubber hits the road, comes from not being held back by distractions or demanding for a different outcome, but the doing part of our life comes from a, a deep sense of devotion and connection to the one that can shape and form what the rest of our life looks like. And so as I went through this journey of kind of wringing this stuff out, it, it, it challenged so much of, of the way probably I began to think, first of all, about my apprentice journey with Jesus, my discipleship journey with Jesus. And then more so, it It allowed to speak to some of the places that I had got to where I was deeply frustrated or disappointed, where I didn't love the outcome of my life. And it was a grace moment to say, oh, you you could think about where all that started. Did it start from yourself? Did it start from a seed of pressure that you needed to be something or or be someone that you thought you needed to be, or did it come from my voice? this is the invitation that Jesus has for us in its simplest form these verses speak to our journey and say would you come back to me would you posture your life with expectation that I have an intimate journey and conversation to have with you and could you build out a life that absolutely does things that absolutely goes places that stems from it all started because I was with you and I heard your voice And I wonder whether that's what we could uh, frame our prayer this morning. I wonder whether that could be what frames how we begin to re-architect life this week, that we would position ourselves from that place and make decisions from that place. And begin to realize some of the outcomes of our life, we get to rewind and unravel and come back to that place of simplicity of I'm at his feet and I can hear his voice. Why don't you stand up? Let's pray. Holy Spirit, I thank you that you are here and that you're speaking to us. That um Jesus your desire for us this morning is not even necessarily to point out where we've got it wrong but is to call us back and I thank you that even just the the process of of repentance which is not so much just about walking away from sin although that's what it is but it's about a changing in direction and a changing in the way I think and so Jesus we just hold in front of you maybe some of the ways that we've thought about what our lives should and could and are about that Jesus that um, there's an invitation in in these words in this interaction that you had with Mary and Martha that the call us back to a simplicity and a starting line that simply says Jesus we want to be postured with you Jesus we really want to hear your voice I want to pray um specifically in the room for those people who just have never felt like they've heard um, the voice of Jesus. And again, that could come in a myriad of ways. It could be a still, small voice. It could be a picture or an impression. It could be a, a verse that just you read and just and the Holy Spirit breathes on and just speaks to you. Jesus speaks in so many different ways. But I want to specifically pray this morning for those who say, you know, I've been, I've been walking out of sort of duty and obligation But I wanna now walk out of intimacy where I hear your voice. If that's you, would you do something really bold and just throw up a hand? If you're just like, you know what? I I wanna hear Jesus's voice. I don't think I've been there. I don't think I've known what that is. If that's you, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. All right, so for those that have just responded to that, Jesus, we say, would you come? Holy Spirit, would you make alive the person of Jesus? in each one of their lives. I pray that just even as they responded and popped up a hand, it was almost just that, that sense of, of acknowledging dependence again. Like, I can't go this journey on my own. I need to hear your voice. And I thank you, Jesus, that you're so kind in this moment to draw alongside and in in a beautiful, unique and tender and creative way, that you're going to just begin to speak. It's going to be words. It's going to be pictures. It's going to be feelings and senses that you just begin to be aware of. Now, this is Jesus speaking to me. And I bless you guys who've just responded in the room to know the beauty of the intimate journey you have with Jesus, that how you relate, how you communicate, how you hear his voice is going to be uniquely different. But in all of that, Jesus, would you make yourself aloud and alive and clear to each one of these people in Jesus' name. So um, we thank you, Jesus, for the invitation. We say we want to respond uh, with our lives, with our yes. We want to commit to unraveling things where we've gone it alone and gone it, gone at it by ourselves. Thank you that there's grace to unwind, to unravel, and to do it again very, very differently. And I thank you that Jesus you us in that whole entire process. And then you take us by the hand and you lead us forward. Thank you for your presence in our lives. In Jesus' name. Amen. Um, ministry team, I'd love it if you'd make yourself available just at the front. Um, hey. If you're here this morning and you know that there are things that are going on in your life, maybe you're sick this morning, you just love somebody to stand with you and pray with you, there's an amazing group of people who are part of our ministry team who would just love to stand with you and pray with you and importantly hear God's voice for you. That's the beautiful thing about being a a prophetic church, ones who just say, God, we can hear your voice and we can share that with others so they can be encouraged, strengthened, built up. It's an amazing thing to be God's family and to share his voice with one another. And so this morning, if you need any of that, if you need encouragement, if you need someone to pray for you, don't feel like you need to leave here the same way you came in. We absolutely want to wrap family around you and pray for you this morning, so make sure you do that this morning.